when when you walk you can see your shadow see your shadow following you and uh, in particular when you're walking in the sun you can see your shadow distinctively distinctly yeah or when you are in a bright place you can see your shadow distinctly but when you are in a dark place you won't see your shadow the lord is called the son of righteousness if you walk his ways you will know that you are living you will have confidence and boldness that you are saved and you are walking with him I think it's John Wesley who calls that inward witness of the Holy Spirit. But if you depart from him, you stray from him, and you go to compromise with darkness, you begin to doubt even of salvation itself. Because you are in that situation. We shine when we please God. We fall into misery when we disobey God. And then we start asking questions. Where is God? Am I really saved? Where is God? But if we are in fellowship with God, there is no room for those questions. Even if one stumbles, I like the believers in Burundi. Uh, they say, uh, I slept, you know, as a sleeping on a wet, wet place. Because they cannot live with that idea that we're just sinning. Because not, the unbelievers who come amongst us and they hear us talking about sin all the time, they say, So what's the difference then? Well, they seem to be doing the same thing we do. What's the difference? And those Christians, they understand that if we confess God is righteous to forgive us, but when they confess, they say, Lord, forgive us for sleeping that way in disobedience. So they put it in a way that the unbeliever is challenged. You see, some of the stuff we say, they look good. They say, there's nothing good in me. Well, I have the Holy Spirit in me. But those things, they look nice, you know, because Calvin said them, and someone, there's nothing good in me. Well, I don't know where you stand. So Jesus is nothing good in you. You see? You have to make a difference when we speak as believers in Christ, and when we were yet without Christ. Remember what I told you the other day? We use spiritual language for spiritual people. That's what Paul said. So we mix up the language and there is a confusion and we begin to feel like, oh, we're just the same. No, we're not the same. No. Yes, we are sinners, but some have repented and forgiven. Some are not repentant. Therefore, not forgiven. That's the difference. And we recognize the sin. We don't like it. When we fall into it very quickly, we ask for forgiveness, we stand up, we go. 
That's the difference between a sheep and a pig. The pig sees an opportunity for mud. That's what they like. That's what they like. That's what they like. You know? Temptation becomes an opportunity. The Lord is the son of righteousness. Quand on tourne le regard vers le Seigneur, on est rayonnant de joie. What does that say in English? When we turn to the Lord, we are radiant. We are, thank you, shiny, something like that. Okay, in English. Voilà. When you turn to God, on est rayonnant de joie. Because of the Holy Spirit. You know. The joy we have is a very different kind of joy. It does not depend on money. It does not depend on people not loving us. It does not depend on our outlook. It does not depend on the kind of job. It depends on God. If we understand those things, we will do well. Quite often I see people, I, I don't understand. If you are saved, you are saved. And you know it. Because former things have passed away. Remember what I told you? Make a list yourself and see if there is anything that has changed at all. There should be maybe one or two you're still struggling with. The Bible calls that the sin that ensnares you so easily. One. That what we're battling it with? Bringing before God that one? Everything else is gone. But because we're still in this world, we stumble, we work, we work, we stand up, we continue. Paul says, I'm still running. I haven't finished. I'm running. But when he finished, he said, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. Now I know. Now I know that there is a crown laid for me. But not only just for me, but also for all those who love his parousia, his blessed appearing, there is a crown laid for them. The righteous shall live by faith. You know, some people are on fire. You see them, praise the Lord. But you know already that they've had an increase in salary. You know that already. They've been a little something, something nice, you know, good phone call early in the morning. Like, praise the Lord. And the next time you see them, like, you know that, haha. You see, um, <laughs> okay, I'm telling you the things I used to say when I was wise many years ago. Maybe when I was unwise. However you look at it. You see, I used to say this. I observe the believers. When everything goes well in their life, they despise the authority in the church. They despise the fellowship with the brethren. They don't need anyone. 
and they disappear. They're in charge, in control. When you see them, you know that, haha, the enemy has, has beaten. When you see them, you know that, ah, they seek intercession now. They become very polite and fellowship. You know that, ha ha ha. When it goes well, disparition, gone. In those days, I, I used to call them les chrétiens clignotants. You know, like the flash, the light, they disappear, they come again, they disappear, they come again. So you can almost say what is happening in their life through their attendance in the church and their behavior. You can say, ah, ah, ah. Now. Now. We have received Jesus Christ. We go with Jesus Christ. Up, down, up, down, valley, mountain, but until we see him. Some of us have health challenges here. Some of us we know, some we don't know. But we still pray. Some have issues in families. Difficult. We all have issues in family with siblings. Who can put his finger like this and say I'm exempt from that? Lot of issues at work, etc. But that's not a barrier for us. No. I suggest that there is a song, it's actually a scripture, I know whom I have believers and I'm persuaded that he's able to keep that which I have committed to him until that day. It is um, scary. Scary. If we're not certain of the hope, it's scary. It is dangerous. It's risky with eternal consequences. Potentially. You have to make sure that you have received Jesus Christ. He is in you. He lives in you. He's sitting on the throne of your heart and is leading your life. You have to make sure. And that you have received the Holy Spirit sine qua non condition. Without the Holy Spirit unknown to God. He is the deposit, Americans say, the down payment of the presence of God in our lives is the Holy Spirit. Okay, let's pray. Loving Father, we bless you this morning once again and we pray that, Lord, you will, uh, Lord, revive us again through the word of God that uh, uh, makes us wise and convert the souls. We bless you, Lord, and we pray that your good, eternal, living Holy Spirit will guide, inspire, and give glory to your name. So we commit each heart unto your holy hand. Guide us safely, Lord, for it's not by might nor by strength, but by your Holy Spirit. We give you praise and glory in the name of Jesus. Amen. 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 Today uh, we continue with the vanity of fleeting confidence and today we're looking at the fullness of the time, Resurrect, first resurrection versus second death. Oh, there's something there. Oh, that's good. The vanity of fleeting confidence, part five, the fullness of the time, first resurrection versus second death.
You see, because the Bible speaks of uh, first resurrection, and because we are so used to first death and second death, we transpose that to resurrection. And we start talking about first resurrection and second resurrection. There's no such thing as second resurrection in the Bible. It's not there. First resurrection is, man- is mentioned, but there's nowhere in the Bible second resurrection. Second death is mentioned. Well, there's a good reason for that. You know, when it comes to resurrection, because of the complex, not the complexity, because of all the elements involved in that, I usually speak of the resurrection program. That's how I call it. Resurrection program is a whole program. And the last people who will be raised in that program, the last ones, will be the matter of the great tribulations. Those will be the last in the resurrection program. Those are the ones who will be killed by the Antichrist. They go in heaven. Their souls go in heaven. Where? Imagine that. Under the altar of God. Under the altar of God. To stir up the last wrath of God. Because of the condition from which they will be coming. And the cruelty the Antichrist and his people will show to the believers in Christ. Their souls will be kept under the altar of the Almighty God. Because of what will be happening here on earth. Even when they get before the Almighty God, they say, Lord, how long? How long, Lord? It's so tough. We're coming from there. When are you going to avenge us, Lord? It's too much, Lord. And Lord say, Tranquilisez-vous. Calmez-vous. Doucement. Attendez. Wait. Wait. Until all is fulfilled. Because what is going to happen, the wrath of God, the kind of treatment and persecution the believer will go through, that will stir up the last wrath of the Almighty God. It will bring everything into pieces on this earth here. Then, just before Jesus Christ comes back, just before he comes back, those martyr will be miraculously raised by God. So what would happen to us at the time of rapture will happen to them at the time of coming of Christ. There is a very hidden verse. I call that hidden. But I highlight it with so many colors. Let us look at that verse. I'm going a little bit all over the place now, but let's see. We, we, we will give a structure. Don't worry. The Lord will help us. But let's just see if we can see that verse together. I know it's somewhere in Revelation 20. That's the one. That's the one. Revelation 20. Look at verse 4. Revelation 20 verse 4. And I saw thrones, and they sat on them. 
and judgment was committed to them. Ah. Then I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded for the witness to Jesus and for the word of God. Aha. Who had not worshipped the beast. I saw the soul. But we know from the record already that those souls are under the altar in heaven. John saw that. And then what? Okay. Who had not worshipped the beast or his image and had not received his mark on the forehead and on their hand. Listen that sentence. And they lived. That means they were raised. That's what it means. That's why I like that. That's why I say the hidden verse. The souls are in heaven. The body is sitting on the grave, on the street, wherever the Antichrist wants to put it. Because they refused to take his mark. And they lived. I call that the final phase of the resurrection program. Jesus Christ rose the first. It's called the first fruits with S. And because he rose again, those who believe in him and have his spirit will rise again. Resurrection program. There's only one resurrection in different stages. And that's the final stage of what I call the resurrection program. Let me move fast now. Well, you will see some visual aids there because I won't be going into details there. And if you need those, just let Lisa or myself know. We will be happy to give you those things. I don't want to waste too much time on those. The reason I put them there is because those things, they trouble believers so much. They trouble believers so much. Remember the things I was telling you about the other day? Psycho panicking, all those kind of things. All those things are in the church. Christian hedonism. And those are things people, they make people feel good. But sometimes those things contradict the Bible. Why don't we just go to the Bible itself and learn it and stand and establish and be grounded in the Bible itself? No. We want to read the Bible, the lens of our gurus. I told you that I've never felt so uncomfortable than the day I taught on Christian hedonism from Piper. I've told you that. I've never seen People will not acknowledge that. People will come to me and say, oh, I didn't know that he said that. Well, I've given you references. Go and check it. People will not acknowledge because they love their gurus. They say, I don't know. I don't think he said. I never knew that he said that. Someone who accessed the teaching from somewhere in Canada wrote to me and said, did he say that? Rather than being shocked that he said something unbiblical, did he say that? Because that's what they say morning and night. That's what they look at. Those people cannot be wrong. Peter could be wrong. He was resisted face to face by Paul for hypocrisy. Peter, the first pope, as they say, was fallible. How about that? Apologetics. Was Peter the first pope? 
If yes, he made a mistake. Can you see a bishop standing before the, the Pope and say, you're wrong, you hypocrite? No. Okay. Hmm. Interesting. Let's come to the Bible. I remember um, one of my young brother in Christ who one day he was praying and he said this Lord I love you I respect you but I'm sorry to to lock you in the box I know you eternal but I'm sorry to put you in a box everybody opened their eyes huh? and the brother paused and then he continued the box of the bible everybody amen amen what he's saying you can't come off with your own idea outside of the bible that's what he's saying lord all i know about you is in the bible that's what he's saying i don't want a hindu person to come and tell me about their god and try to mix with the bible no God, all I need to know about you is in the Bible. I'm sorry. If you want to give me a revelation, then confirm it in the Bible. Ah, now you're smiling. Just like those people in those days in that church. Well, people have disciplined their lives. Is the Bible or nothing? Do you know why? Because the Bible is under intense attack. It's the Bible that is under attack. It's the word of God. That's under attack. If we don't firmly stand in the Bible, we're on a sinking sand, shaky ground. It's going to be difficult. With all the compromise, you know, trying to please everybody, it's going to be difficult. You're going to see some of the stuff there. You know, when people speak of eschatology, sometimes um, they just assume that eschatology means revelation from the Bible. That's what people think. Let's I'm, start, I'm studying eschatology. Because they think eschatology means revelation in the Bible. That's not what it means. Yes, it means the things of the last, but not just the Christian ones. No. Every religion, even humanists, even secular humanists, they have their own eschatology. They have their own understanding of the things of the end time. So don't just assume that when you say eschatology, it means the Bible. No. There, I cannot see, sorry, it's, uh, uh, it's quite small. And uh, there is somewhere there, I think it's the, okay, the one I've put in bold there. I think it says, okay, I can see this one. Conception of the last things. I like that. That's why I've put in bold. Conception of the last thing. That is cathology. It doesn't mean the Christian things. No conception of the last things. That's the reason why you have all the confusion. Everyone has his own conception of the last thing, including in the Christian circle. That's why you have all the pre, pre, mid, pre, pre, because everyone has his own. But we can reconcile that, all those things meaningfully and come up with what the Bible said. Some of the things can be Easily reconcile minus uh, minor variances that are negligible. Here is an example. 
Some people believe that there will be a rapture. Okay, I believe that too. The Bible says it. And then there is a bit of difference in the timing. You can read there. I can speak if you can read. (laughs) But there is a bit of variance in the timing. For instance, you have a big group called pre-millennialists. That group is the people who believe, and it is biblical, that there will be a literal period of 1,000 years on this earth. But that Christ will come back and will himself introduce that time. That's why it's called pre-millennialism. Within that group, you have variances as well. You have pre-tribulation. So, pre-millennialism, pre-tribulation, pre-millennialism. Those all believe that there will be a time of intense persecution against the believers in Jesus Christ. But they also believe that Christ will come back. They believe that the rapture and the second coming of Jesus Christ are two distinct events. The pre-tribulation people or pre-trib as it's called believe that Christ will come, we snatch away the church, and after the church has been removed from this earth, the Antichrist will then be revealed. That's why it's called pre-tribulation, but still pre-millennialism. Then you have mid-tribulation. The mid-tribulation people believe that Yes, Christ will come. Yes, Christ will introduce the millennium himself. That's the 1,000th year. Yes, Christ will come and snatch away Harpezo, as it's called in Greek. He will come to snatch away his church. But they believe that that will not happen before the tribulation. They believe it will happen in the midst of the tribulation. Sometimes. Then you have some people who want to be a little bit more special as well. They're forcing their way as well to introduce something pretty rough with all due respect. They believe that toward the end of the tribulation, toward the end, remember I've just told you that uh, the final wrath of God will come. So they believe that just before then, then there will be a rapture. Pre-wrath. But you see, all those are still pre-millennialism. Now you tell me, should we kill each other for that? Really? I don't have any problem. That's why I'm teaching easily on those things. I don't have any problem. If someone believes that we will be, you know, uh, 
raptured, you know, you know, 24 hours before the Antichrist comes. Or, quel est le problème? What's my problem? What's the problem with that? I don't see any problem. Yet people are really tough on those things. I remember one day preaching in this church and I was saying, you know, when uh, uh, John the Apostle in Revelation saw the door open and heard the voice saying, come up here. I just quoted the, the verse. A young person intercepted me there. They say, I was scared. I thought you were teaching pre-tribulation. I say, give me some peace, my friend. Who gave you the right to say that to me? I quote something. You, you know, keep your thought for yourself. You know, if I've said something wrong, come and say me. So, and people are seriously intimidated with these things because when you teach this thing, someone has written, read his favorite book somewhere, and is scrutinizing you in everything, comparing with his guru. No, I want someone to come and the Bible and say that is wrong. It's not true. But we also need to have the humility to recognize that there are differences. There are variances as well. But those variances can be looked at, handled, biblically. And if they are very unreconcilable, talking a bit finance there, then what does Paul say? God will shed light. But where we've attained now, let us walk together. That wisdom in the Bible. People don't want that. Because people want their followers. They want to show that they are the best. They want to show. I gave my testimony, a testimony uh, at last night prayer as to how I, I was receiving to eldership in this church. And I informed or revealed to you that uh, John and I uh, uh, agreed to disagree uh, on whether we can lose salvation or, or not. Because I believe that you cannot lose salvation. Because it's eternal salvation, it's not weekly. And God is the one who is keeping it. I don't see any meaningful, you know. So, and Paul say, John say in John 5.13, I've written to you this thing so that you may know that you have eternal life. And in, in, in knowing that, you continue to believe. And Paul say, they were with us, they withdraw because they were not of us. If they were of us, they wouldn't have withdrawn. Etc. Okay. So John and I, we agreed to disagree on that one. And we say, okay, we can still preach in the same church as a pastor and elder on that. And uh, we need God's wisdom. Okay, let's continue. A uh, few months before he left, he came to me and he said, um, remember, I'm talking on the phone so he can listen to what I'm saying. I'm not gossiping. He's on the phone. He's there. He came and he said to me, oh, gee. Now I believe that you cannot lose salvation. I've searched all the Bible. I could not see something supporting that you can lose salvation. I say, merci. He's there. He can watch and listen to what I'm saying. He says, I've surveyed the whole Bible. I haven't seen something to support that. But it, it took patience between us. We say, we can work. We can work together on that. And that exact the manifestation of what Paul said. If we disagree, God will help us. But let's move together. In humility, God will shed light. Mm -hmm. 
John was pretty rough and pretty trade. But I don't really see any problem with that, etc. I'm telling you this thing so that you don't get caught up into these uh, scholasticism things because they will trap you. It's not important. Another thing is the, the reason why people cling on to that. I haven't even mentioned uh, post-tribulation. That's another one. But the post-tribulation are very hard on that. Do you know why? Because they believe that people like me, we are escapists. So if you are a pre-tribulationist, they think you are escapist. You're not strong enough to stand against the Antichrist. You want to escape with a sound hallelujah. I say, I am the first escapist. I want to get out of here as fast as possible. And they say they are strong, you know, because they have to teach perseverance to be able to persevere under the Antichrist. You know, the other one are very weak. They are escaped. I say, I am escapist. I will tell you how many times you want to hear it. Because I want to get out of here. At the earliest opportunity. You stay. Go to gym. Be strong. Be muscular. That's your problem. And see how you will stand. That's the reason why when COVID came, the post-tribulationists, they were putting fear. So we had fear from the BBC. We had the post-tribulation. The Antichrist is here now. You know, we are under the person. I got troubled on that day. I say, so what am I going to tell the believers? Believers are troubled. The mark of the beast, the mark of the... And I prayed. Wherever I look, People say the Antichrist is here, everywhere. I say, have you heard of something in this country called Black Death? Have you heard of something called the, the Jewish Holocaust? Have you heard all those difficult things that have happened in this life? Pandemic, big, massive things have happened. We have to be serious and balanced and biblical and scriptural. We don't take everything that is happening and we try to take that and put in the Bible. This is what is happening. Someone say, I can show you in the Bible where Great Britain is mentioned. And America. I say, where is that? Where it speaks of the young lion and the second lion. And say, Come in. So you have all those kind of things, people making money out of it, becoming very firm, nothing biblical. Everyone just, that's why I say the, co, uh, what's that word I said there? Uh, conceptions of people. Everyone having his own conception. And if we're not careful, we get trapped into those things. And I pray and I say, Lord, so, okay, I'm a Bible teacher, and I'm seeing all these controversies and confusion, you know, the Antichrist have done this, the mark of the business, Lord. So, should we just leave the believers like that? What can we teach the believers on this? I'm not going to teach if you don't teach me. Because it's very controversial. One verse. Oh, the people who worship the beast have taken his mark. Oh, but we've just read here that the people of God will not take the mark. And because of that, some of them will die. So, okay. If that's the case, in those days, 
I knew believers who had taken the vaccine for travel reason, for work reason, for so many things. And I asked the question, so have they taken all the mark of the beast? People could not answer me. You see, that's what I'm trying Paul said, do not be inconsiderate. Be considerate. Be balanced. When reading the Bible, seek the Lord, seek wisdom. Do not just move conspiracy here, conspiracy there, conspiracy. It doesn't help. Because if we do that, we will be depressed. We're supposed to have the joy of the Lord. The Lord is called the Lion of Judah. He defends himself. He will have the final say and he will defend himself. All what the Lord is asking us to do is to stay on him. To make sure that we are in him. He's living in us. We have his peace, that passive understanding. That's the only way we can make it with him. If we start to take things on ourselves all the time, in a wrong way, it's not going to work. Because the waves, the waves, the bad news, wherever you look, a lot of bad news are coming from everywhere. So, if we stay in Christ, he says, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe in me. In my father's house, there are many mansions. I'm going to prepare a place for you. When I've done that, I will come receive you unto myself, that where I am, you be also. That's our blessed hope. And then he said, do not fear those who can kill the body and cannot do anything more. Ah, now we know that the Lord is a very serious person. He said, you can die. The people, I cannot die because I'm a Christian. I cannot say it's who. Where does that come from? The accident, airplane crash. I know in Burkina Faso in Africa, 14 people in a minivan, they went for a retreat for five days. They prayed to the Lord, they sanctified. On their way back, they all died in an accident crash. What is these things? A Christian cannot die. God will always heal all, you know. Paul was ill. And he prayed, God said, Shh, doucement, ma grâce te suffit. My grace is sufficient to you. And he understood. He said, okay, that's fine. So long as my, your grace is on me, that's fine. I rejoice in you. For when I'm weak, then you are strong. What's this false gospel, prosperity gospel, go over the place, a Christian cannot get sick, whenever a, a Christian had, you know, a dentist appointment, is the devil, whenever, why are we decaying? My former chief executive used to say, we, got, we just need to admit that we are decaying, we're falling apart. It comes with age, whether you want it or not. It doesn't matter however brand of herb or tea you drink, we will die. Simple things. Put your trust in God. Live in God. Whatever happens, land in God. With all your heart. Okay. In Genesis chapter 2, verse 15 to 17, um, the Lord told Adam, the day you eat of this fruit, this, this tree, you will surely die. 
What do you think Adam thought after eating the fruit? Any answer? Pardon? What do you think, Adam? What was going on? In, okay, let me be a bit more specific. What do you think Adam was thinking with the help of the enemy? What do you think the enemy will say? You see? You haven't died. He said you will die. You haven't. You're still here. You know? That's what I'm telling you. He knows that you will be like him. He's a liar. Do you understand that? But the death the Lord was talking about is not only the... It's, it includes the physical death. You shall surely die. And Adam died. And he passed to all of us death. It wasn't the plan, God's plan, before. So it wasn't just the death, spiritual death. It was also the physical death as well. Then, the Lord said, in John 11, he who believes in me, let's turn to John 11, 25 to 26. John eleven twenty five to 26. Don't worry about what you have on the screen. I don't have time for that. You, you can have a copy if you want it. John 11, verse 25 to 26. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? So you see, these two die, die here, refers to the two types of death. Physical death. Even if you die physically, you die. If you believe in Jesus Christ, you will live. Then the second one, if you believe in me, shall never die. This is not the physical death. Because we all die physically. This speaks of the second death. It has no power on us. Because we have Jesus Christ. The Bible says, having therefore this kind of promise, promises, let us cleanse ourselves from every filthiness of the flesh and of the spirit. Because of these promises. But what the enemy has done, the enemy has exalted the physical death. So people are more concerned about the physical death than the eternal separation from God. You don't see that, but it's in the background of the prosperity gospel and the healing movement. That's what is in the background. Nobody cares about the second death anymore. Healing, 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 healing. In the name of healing, people can do amazing stuff. I'm telling you, in the name of healing. People are so afraid to die. They can do 
anything to be healed. And the enemy knows that. And he's put his people who are able to give healing. And uh, you know, you have all these mega pastors who are able. Remember what I told you the other day? They say a Christian cannot uh, seek. Is the devil if they are sick? They, and then I noticed that they all wear glasses. What are we trying to do in the remaining time? We're trying to say this. Some passages in the Bible. Okay, let's turn to Matthew chapter 24. Let's look at that. Matthew chapter 24. And let's read from verse 26 to verse 30. So Matthew 24, 26 to 30. Therefore, if they say to you, look, he is in the desert, do not go out. Or look, he is in the inner rooms, do not believe it. For as the lightning comes from the east and flashes to the west, so also will the coming of the Son of Man be. For wherever the carcass is, there the eagles will be gathered together. Verse 29, immediately after the tribulation, after the tribulation of those days, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light. The stars will fall from heaven and the power of the heavens will be shaken. Verse 30. Then the sign of the Son of Man will appear in heaven, and then all the tribes of the earth will mourn, and they will see the Son of Man coming on the cloud of heaven with power and great glory. Ah. Post-tribulation say, there you are. After the tribulation of those days. This is there, black and white. All the tribes of the earth will see him. This is parallel to what is described prophetically by Zechariah in Zechariah 14. Let's turn to that. Zechariah 14. Zechariah 14, and we read from verse 3. Zechariah 14 from verse 3. Then the Lord will go forth and fight against those nations as he fight in the day of battle. And in that day, his feet will stand on the Mount of Olives, which faces Jerusalem on the east, and the Mount of Olives shall be split in two, from east to west. I'm pausing there for a moment. 
Do you remember in Acts chapter 1 verse 11 when the Lord was ascending there appeared two angels and they said to the disciple why are you standing there and gazing to heaven? They, say, they were at the Mount of Olives. He said, the same Jesus you see going will come back in the like manner you've seen him going bodily in the same place. Zechariah was already prophesying on that. And that is the day also called the great day of the Lord. When the Lord comes with all the power at his disposal. Not as the Lamb of God, but as the Lion of Judah. No one will be able to stand or to resist. That's what Matthew 24 is talking about. He's coming with... Okay. Let's continue. Read on where you are. Jump to verse 5. Zechariah. Then you shall flee from my mountain valley, for the mountain valley shall reach the Azor. Yes, you shall flee as you fled from the earthquake in the day of Uzziah, king of Judah. Listen carefully what follows. Thus the Lord my God will come and all the saints with you, with him. The Lord is coming with his saints because they've been raptured before with him. Now he's coming back with his saint, you and I. The rapture is the Lord coming for the saints. The second coming is the Lord coming with the saints. Easy things. Easy thing to reconcile. If that's not, the, if you still have a doubt on that, turn with me to John chapter fourteen. Now, this one here. If someone uh, denies that the Lord will come to take His church with Him, I would love to see an explanation or an interpretation of this one. John chapter fourteen. We're reading from verse one to verse three. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my father's house are many mansions. If it weren't so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself that where I am, there you may be also. When would that happen then? The rapture needs to take place for those mentioned to happen. What about the marriage supper of the Lamb? Where would that happen? The church and the groom and Christ in heaven. What about the judgment seat of Christ, the Bema? judgment seat of Christ where we get our reward where would that happen? In heaven easy things but no who are you gay? I don't think you're qualified enough to say that 
at, at least John MacArthur, your, your favorite, believes this as well. So you can validate what I'm saying. Christ will come and take his church with him. In a twinkling of an eye, we are changed. Gone. A good friend of mine who has gone before us with the Lord, he wrote a song, he said, what uniform when he changes us. He said, I'm thinking about the uniform. What would be the clothing at that time when we go to meet the Lord? And he wrote a song, he said, as a Christian, what is my CV? He said, my CV is that I received Jesus Christ. My CV is that I was baptized. My CV is that I'm waiting for him on that day. The great day of the Lord. Zephaniah. Le grand jour de l'éternel. Terrible. is coming. Ha. Jesus is coming. How else can you interpret 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 13 to 18? This I have received from the word of God. At the shout of the Lord, at the voice of an archangel, Christ will descend from heaven. And we who are waiting, in French he says, nous qui sommes restés pour son avènement, we who are here waiting for him, we will be caught up. I don't want you to be ignorant, to be sad, to sorrow like those who have no hope concerning those who have fallen asleep. If you believe that Christ died and rose, you must also believe that he will bring back those who have fallen asleep in him. And then he's saying, comfort one another with this. If one of us dies, if I die, let's speak about myself. If any of you goes first, it's sad physically. We will miss you physically. But if you've fallen in the battle, do you know what they do? They do a monument for those soldiers in the country who have fallen on the battlefield. You will leave your monument here. We will miss you. We will remember your voice. we'll meet you there. Comfort one another with this word. He said, I do not want you to sorrow like those who have no hope. Lord, why me? Lord, why me? Who are you? Cry sorrow in moderation. In particular, if he's a believer who has gone. You are allowed to, to, learn, to, 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 to cry uncontrollably if he's a pagan who has gone. You can do that. People will say, you're usually a very calm person. Why are you suddenly crying out over here? It's very difficult. This man is, is lost forever. Fullness of the time, first resurrection and second death. Now, we conclude after that that the Rapture and the second coming of Christ are two distinct events. That's the only way you can understand those passages. Otherwise, lost. 
As for the rest, he will tell you have the deck, you have the PowerPoint, and you can see all the details. Amillennials, I'm not even interested in them uh, because some of them don't even believe in the thousand year. They say the thousand year is a very long period of time that started when the church started until Jesus Christ came. We are in that thousand year, and that is symbolized by the Eucharist. Then you have other people say, oh yeah, we are already in that, you know, that 1,000 years. You know, what's going to do is that we are already in it. We're just doing the work and then Jesus Christ will come as a king. They say Jesus Christ will come as a king. That's a bit of flattery in that. You say, yeah, but listen to the rest of the story. Jesus Christ will come as a king to rule on the work that would have been done already. Kingdom dominionism. So the Christian will have all the big position. They will do... do have dominion on the whole world. Once the Christian have, every Christian have four limos in their garage. You know, every Christian is a CEO. You know, when all those things happen, then Christ will come and rule. Do you know what they say? When you say to them, we are in the end time, let's just trust the Lord. They reply to you, they say, it's the kingdom. The word is always kingdom. Kingdom. When you hear that, remember what I'm saying to you. Okay, let's let's land now then. Let's land. <laughs> okay. Revelation chapter twenty and verse eleven to fifteen. Revelation twenty verse eleven to fifteen. The vanity of the fleeting confidence. Fullness of the times. First resurrection versus second death. Revelation twenty eleven to 15. Then I saw a great white throne and him who sat on it from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away. And there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, standing before God. And books were opened, and another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged according to their works, by the things which were written in the books. Verse 13, the sea gave up the dead who were in it, and death and Hades delivered up the dead who were in them and they were judged each one according to his work verse 14 then death and Hades were cast into the lake of fire this is the second death that's the definition of the second death this those who have Christ will not come to this that's what it means, but there's no more condemnation for those who are in Christ. But people have troubled us and say, there's no more condemnation. Judge not. Do not judge. That's not what it means. The Bible says, if we judge ourselves, we not be judged by people outside. Judgment begins in the house of God. We need to judge ourselves. We can judge our, 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 our actions, but nobody can see what's happening in someone's heart. God knows that. But we can see the action and condemn them. 21 verse 8. 
21 verse 8, Revelation. But the cowardly, unbelieving, abominable, murderers, sexual, immorals, immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burns with fire and brimstone, which is there. There's no such thing as second resurrection. It's not there. There's only what I call a resurrection program. And then the second death. You have believed in Jesus Christ. You've chosen the right portion. These things. You will not test these things. Have you noticed that death and Hades death and Hades they are all thrown in the lake of fire the lake of fire is the Gehenna is hell people confuse some people say uh, uh, the, the doors of the hell will not prevail well that error was introduced because of the German interpretation of the word Hades now the Lord is talking about the sejour de mort, the shield in the Old Testament. The gate of the shield, because there is an activity, even as we are in this world, there is an activity with the underworld. There is that activity. People do that. People do uh, uh, astral projection. People do all those things with the devil. It's a reality. That word, the Lord is saying, that will not prevail against the church. But that is not hell. Because that itself will be thrown in hell the final abode. May the Lord bless you all. Cling on to the Lord. Persevere. Be strong. The Lord will come. We don't know when. But we're waiting for him and praising him. Amen. Let's pray. Precious Lord, Heavenly Father, we want to bless you. Lord, we thank you for the word of God and for your good, holy, and eternal spirit. The helper Help us, Lord, to understand these things and teach us these things easily by your grace. We give you praise and glory. We thank you, Lord, for the word that has gone forth. We thank you, Lord, for the ears that have received. And we commit unto your holy hand the hearts that have received. And we pray that these things will multiply in hearts and that we will live accordingly, waiting from you. Your, your blessed appearing. Lord, strengthen us for the rest of the journey. Hold our hand. Yahweh Rohi, you know the way. Teach us your ways. We commit, Lord, the church, this unto your hands. Continue to guide us, O oh God. We thank you for your grace and mercy. Be with each one of us. Raise up those who are unwell in their body. And be the answer to those who have struggling, O oh God. Help them to rise up to whatever challenge, Lord, is before them. Bring peace, Lord, we pray. Yahweh, shalom. We give you praise. We give you all the glory. In the name of Jesus, everybody say, Amen. Amen.